Hello and welcome to Mosley's Bench. This podcast was founded by former judge Fred M. Mosley. This podcast will share information about Fred M. Mosley, the 50 Laws of Life, and so much more. Get connected. Welcome to Mosley's Bench. I am Alexis, and today on the bench, we have his honor, Judge Mosley. Judge Mosley? Thank you, Alexis. The laws of life, and in that this program is based upon scriptural references and the Bible, which we rely upon totally for these laws of life, we always begin with prayer, so may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The laws of life. And in previous sessions, we have given you a definition for a law of life. It is an absolute divine rule that governs the consequences of our actions. Everything we do and everything that we say activates one or more laws of life, either in a positive or in a negative way. In order for us to refer to a law of life as being such, we have to begin in the book of Genesis tracing that law of life throughout the Old Testament into and throughout the New Testament before we can refer to it as a law of life. In most instances, several hundred scriptures will come together to establish each of these laws of life, which we say to you are absolute divine rules that govern the consequences of our actions. So today, we are going to share with you from a law of life that I would assume that most of you have heard about and some of you perhaps are familiar with. It is. The law, not the concept, not the precept, not even the principle, but it is the law of sowing and reaping. Some of us in secular arenas know it as what goes around comes around. Others know it as karma, but we know it as the law of sowing and reaping, which is taken from the Holy Bible. We always give you a foundational scripture for each of these laws of life, And the initial foundational scripture that I'm going to give to you for the law of sowing and reaping is found in the book of Genesis, and that is in chapter 8, verse 22. That's Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Listen closely. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat, and summer and winter and day and night shall, that's an absolute, shall not cease. So seed time and harvest ordained in Genesis 8 will not, or shall not cease because because it is an absolute. The other scripture that we want to rely upon and we won't take time to read all of the verses in this particular scripture, but it deals with the law of kinds. And what it does, it establishes the fact 
that everything, not some things, not most things, not many things, but everything produces after its own time. And the next foundation of scripture that we want to make reference to is found in the book of Galatians in the sixth chapter and the seventh verse. And it reads thusly, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whatever we put out there, we can expect it to come back to us in the form of a harvest. Everything that God does is based Upon this scripture and this law, that is the law of sowing and reaping. You don't have to be a farmer to know that you reap what you sow later than you sow it and longer than it is sown. Tomatoes, apples, oranges, grapefruit, they're going, you're going to get exactly what you have sown. If you sow tomato seeds, I know that you're not looking for anything else other than a tomato, apples, the same thing, oranges, right down the line of the vegetable kingdom. Whatever we plant, we expect it to come back to us in the form of the kind that we planted. It is going to be exactly what you sow. Is that way also in life. God is not going to apply a law to nature, to nature, that he is not going to apply to you and to me. God expects us to profit from the lessons in nature to teach us spiritual lessons. lessons. He uses those things that we cannot see to help us to better understand the things that we do see. I submit to you that one does not get away with anything because there has not been an immediate immediate harvest. But I also say that one does not lose anything if he or she has not received an immediate harvest. Unfortunately, most times the law of sowing and reaping are this principle which some wish to refer to it as they always emphasize the negative thing, the negative aspect of the law of sowing and reaping. In other words, pointing to a person, putting your finger in their face, and saying you're going to reap what you sow. But you hardly ever see that when that person has planted some positive seeds and a person comes to them and says the same thing, you are going to reap what you have sown because you have sown positive seeds and you can expect a positive Harvest. So this law of life, this law of sowing and reaping works both ways. And unfortunately, most believers emphasize the negative aspect of the law of sowing and reaping, but the positive side is as prevailing as the negative side. So if I'm planting positive seeds, what can I expect in return? It may take a little while for it to materialize, but if the seeds that I'm planting are positive seeds, I can't expect a corresponding positive harvest to come as a result of it. Grain thousands of years old will produce a crop 
after its own kind. The law of sowing and reaping. A farmer knows that he has to be patient, that he has to endure. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 9, for it's not to become weary in well-doing, because we will reap if we faint not. And unfortunately, that's what happens to many believers who have planted positive seeds, but because that those seeds have not materialized in, in, a, in harvest form quickly enough, they lose heart. They give up. They faint. And as a result, they do not receive the desired harvest from the seeds that were planted. But the farmer, in the natural, he buries his seed. He waters his seed. He attends to his seed. And we're to do the same thing in the spirit realm. Knowing that we have planted positive seeds, we are to water those seeds by way of the word of God that pertains to that particular matter that we're dealing with. We are to, to attend to, the, to those seeds that we have planted that are positive by way of our words, by way of making positive statements as it relates to the harvest that we are expecting to come forth as a result of those seeds that were planted. There is a season for reaping. And so often believers miss the harvest because they do not expect to reap from the seeds that have been planted. So we have to be aware of the various ways that God brings the harvest. But I say to you, under the law of kinds, which we won't take the time to go into in in the depth in this session, but in under the law of kinds, everything produces after its own kind. So whatever I have given, Whatever I have planted in the positive way, in a positive way, I can expect something similar to come back to me. But again, as we said before, longer, later, and more than I planted. Ecclesiastes three, Ecclesiastes eleven, one says to us: Cast your bread upon the water, and it shall come back after many days. And that's where oftentimes we miss. The harvest, because if we don't get an immediate harvest based upon what we have done in the spirit realm, oftentimes we give up. The law of sowing and reaping. So then, what conclusion can we draw? If one wants to receive respect under the law of kinds, what must we do? We must be respectful to other people. If I'm a person who is in need or want to have loyalty extended to me in a particular setting or situation, what then must I do as it relates to other people? If I have not extended loyalty to anyone else, can I legitimately expect to to receive loyalty towards me from other people? I say to you, that violates the law of sowing and reaping. It violates the law of kinds. If I want people that I'm dealing with to be honest with me in business and otherwise, what must I do? What kind of seeds must I plant in my business endeavors to assure me receiving honesty from others? 
I must plant some seeds. I plant seeds of honesty with others. You know, so often people who are in business, they find that someone else in, in that business relationship is maybe shortchanging or taking advantage of them. And unfortunately, in most instances, that person does not look at their own behavior to see whether or not they have been planting seeds of honesty. And in many instances, when that person is receiving an attitude or practice of dishonesty towards them, oftentimes, in fact, I go as far as to say most times, and maybe even taking it further, say all times, that person perhaps is not planting seeds of honesty because we know what the law is. Law of kind says, the law of kind says to us that everything, not some things, most things, and many things, but everything produces after its own kind. If I want kindness, well, I must show kindness to other people. I cannot be a, a grouch in every circumstance and situation that I'm involved in, unkind to people in my going in and coming out, and then expect kindness to be extended to me. These laws of life impact every aspect of our lives. So many people try to confine the law of sowing and reaping to financial matters, but it goes far beyond that. Everything you do, everything that you say is planting a seed, and that seed is either a positive seed or it is a negative seed. If it is a positive seed, we can't expect a positive harvest to come therefrom. But if it is a negative seed, likewise, we should expect to receive that which is negative. If I'm impatient with other people, and there's some people, including believers, who are very impatient. They don't have a minute to share with anyone else. It's all about them. Well, what then should they expect in return? If they have an extended any patience, there's no reason for them to expect patience from other people. The law of kinds is at work. The law of kinds, which comes under the law of sowing and reaping, it is a lesser and included law under the law of sowing and reaping. If I want people to speak softly to me, if I want soft words when I'm in a discussion or even in a debate with another person, if I speak harshly, and I'm sure most of us and many of us who are listening, you know of people that speak harshly, every word that comes out of their mouth, everyone they talk to, they're harsh and condemning words. Well, if I'm that kind of a person, what then should I expect in return? If I speak harshly to people on a continuous basis, I should not expect anything other than people to start to speak harshly to me. We're living these laws of life. In our everyday lives, the law of sowing and reaping is one of the predominant laws of life that we're walking in on a daily basis. And most individuals, including believers, do not recognize and understand and appreciate the ramifications of this law, this profound law of sowing and reaping. Let's touch a few more areas, but just one more for right now. If I want friends, you know, there's some people who don't have one friend. 
Now, when you get to a point, and don't get upset with me when I say that, but when a person gets to a point they don't have at least one friend, that person needs to start to look at themselves. Because the word says, if I want friends, I have to show myself friendly. I have to plant some friendly seeds if I want to have friends. And if I don't have any friends, the suggestion is probably that I'm not a friendly person. I need to make self-examination of myself. Let's take a few minutes and before let's take a few minutes before we go to the next section dealing with how we receive uh, the positive side of sowing and reaping. Let's take a short break and come back, and we're going to share some more with you under the law of sowing and reaping. Be back in a few minutes. Fifty Laws of Life, Perfect Justice Through Divine Law is a book written by former judge Fred M. Mosley. This book is now available for purchase on Amazon.com and all places where books are being sold. Or you can purchase the book on the website at Another Chance Media. Once again, that website is anotherchancemedia.org. Judge Mosley, I have a comment, if I may. Yes. I find it interesting that you say at a certain point in life, if you don't have at least one friend, you should take a good look at yourself. But I find that to be true because I have heard the saying, to have friends, you have to be a friend. And how I understand the law of sowing and reaping is how you would plant a tree. If you plant a tree and you don't water it and you don't fertilize it, then the tree is not going to be fruitful and grow up to be strong and sturdy. But if you take the same tree and you plant it and you nurture it and you water it and fertilize it, it will grow up to be strong and true. I realized that. When I was younger, I had a best friend, and we were best friends for the longest amount of time where we had one thing in common. We were both in choir, and our teacher used to say about us, those two are like two peas in a pod. Where you see one, the other is not that far along. And what she means is it's either we're standing by each other, one is waiting for the other, or one of us is either ahead of the other or behind. And I also have a different best friend now that I'm older, and she lives all the way out in California. Granted, life brings us interesting paths where we don't always see our friends, but that one best friend, the one in California, we nurture and grow our friendship throughout the years that whenever it is that we do have a moment to talk on the phone, it's as if time never passed. You're able to pick up where you're left off, and that's what I mean by friendship. You have to kind of put in the effort to 
bear any fruit because yes it's simple to say hi how are you but a true friend is somebody who takes the time to be there for you through good times and bad times and a lot of people they just only want to be around for the good times and that's perfectly fine but you're not going to get a friend at the end because when you're standing and reflecting on your life and you realize you have a lot of acquaintances, but you don't have any close friends, it is true that you should look at yourself and see what you've been doing. Very good point, Alexis. And I'm going to ask you to expand upon that as it relates to social media. And on social media, people refer to as friends, and some have hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of friends. Now, do you perceive any true friendships come as a result of what people do on social media. I just like to hear what you have to say in that regard because you're from an era that would be much more astute with respect to social media than I. So what do you say about that? All these friends that people say that they have and perceive that they have as good friends. I'm going to be 100% honest. Social media is a great platform to build your business, to meet new people, but I would caution anybody who really honestly thinks that by having tens of thousands of friends, you have a lot of friends. Those are just people to make your social media more popular, to make people think you're popular. It's kind of like when you're in high school, if you remember the hierarchy, there's always the popular kids. There are always kids who don't always fit in. So for me on social media, I used to have one of those pages where I had hundreds of friends, but I didn't know any of them. And all of them came through me because we had the common interest of playing the games on Facebook. So they add you through that. Right, But I couldn't tell you who was who, and without Facebook telling me when somebody's birthday was, I wouldn't be able to tell you who was who. I knew nothing about them, and it started to be a problem when I was looking at my social media and all the information that they were posting, I would comment, be like, oh, congratulations on getting married, or oh, happy birthday to your son and daughter, but then I realized I knew none of these people, and the people that I actually did know, the my actual friends in real life, and the people that I actually have relationships with, were getting lost in all that mumble jumble because you would get thousands upon the thousands of notifications, and nobody's going to sit there and check. So social media, while it's a great way to meet new friends and stuff, I deleted that Facebook, and now my personal Facebook, outside of the one that I have for work, my personal Facebook has less than 150 people on it. But I can guarantee you every single person on my personal social media page is an actual friend. If I'm not related to that person, I am actually friends with that person because I know them, like, in real life. I'm not saying that social media can't be the bridge where you meet new people to make friendships, because I have heard of that. You hear, like, of social media such as YouTube, where YouTubers meet other YouTubers and they make friendships and stuff like that. Social media is a great way to join communities, to find people you have in common with, but there is a difference between having tens of thousands of people 
as friends on your Facebook and actually being friends. Because if you have tens and thousands of friends on social media, my question to you, which I have to ask myself is, how well do you know those tens of thousands of people? Can you answer five, can you list five things about that person that you know about them without having to scroll through their their Facebook or whatever platform you're using? And if you can't, then that person is not really a friend. It's more like an acquaintance. Well, let's, let me take this a little further then. Would you say that social media perhaps has given people a false sense as to what true friendship is? Uh, most people on social media of the understanding that this is just these are just basically acquaintances and not to be considered as true friendships, or have they come to believe that the fact that they have these hundreds and maybe thousands of people purporting to be their friends that they have actual friendships, and is this a misleading concept? Well, I do honestly do sometimes believe it is a misleading concept because if you have tens of thousands of friends and you are a person who believes that you have tens of thousands of friends, would those tens of thousands of friends be there for you when you need someone the most? How I value true friendships is you can pick up the phone and call the person in the middle of the night. If it was a true emergency, they would be there for you. Like, I'm not talking about family because family tends to have that bond like my best friend. When I lost somebody in my life and she knew that person and I were extremely close, she offered to fly across the country to be with me in time for the funeral. She said, I know that I have two young kids and a husband here, but if you honestly need me to be there for support, I will fly over for the funeral. That is what true friendship is. True friendship is someone who knows your pain, who who's there when you're happy, who has your best interests at heart. To those who have tens of thousands of friends on Facebook, good for you, but do they really know anything about you, or are you just a name and a face in the thousands among their Facebook wall? That's some good points, Alexis. And I perceive that we probably spent an entire program just talking about the law of sowing and reaping and friends and friendship and what real friendship is and how you show yourself friendly under the law of sowing and reaping. What about timing and time and attention? There's some people who don't want to give time or attention to anybody other than themselves, and they expect time and, and attention to flow to them. They're deceiving themselves. Because everything produces after its own kind. Alexis, if I want peace in my life, but if I'm a person who stirs of strife and friction and contention, argumentation, everywhere I go. And unfortunately, there are some individuals as soon as they walk into a room, and it could have been a peaceful setting before that person showed up. And it could be some non-relatives, or it can be in a family situation, whereas there's oftentimes always that one person, as soon as they show up, something starts that's negative. So if I want peace, what do I have to give? 
I have to extend peace to others and not be a person who brings in strife and friction and contention, so forth and so on. If I want happiness to come to me, I cannot walk around in a sad disposition. There are some people, if you allow their countenance to impact you, every time you're in their presence, you'll find yourself in a sad mood because that's what they bring to various gatherings. If I want people to be gentle towards me, well, then what do I have to show? I've got to extend gentleness to other people. If I want people to bring good advice to me, if I have an issue, a question, a concern, and I go to someone and I'm asking asking them for good, sound, and solid advice, I don't want them just to say something for the purpose of just saying something and acting as though they have the answer. Sometimes it's best to say, I don't know. I've got to pray about this. I've got to do some research. But there are some people that are going to give you a quick answer all the time. So what then, Alexis, should they expect in return? They should expect unsound advice to come back to them. And we could go on and on about health and mercy and truth and salvation and money matters because these laws, and in, in particular the law of sowing and reaping, is at work in everything that we do and everything that we say. Before concluding this session, we just want to take a few minutes to show you how to dig up, if I may use that description, or to abort a bad harvest, or better still, to diminish a negative harvest. How to diminish a negative harvest? Suppose I planted Alexa, I planted some bad seeds, and I want as, as quickly as I can to stop those bad seed, seeds from materializing into a crop. Well, first of all, I've got to recognize the fact that I planted some bad seeds. Nextly, I've got to, what do we do in the natural when we plant bad seeds? Uh, when we see a bush growing that we don't want, the first thing we do is try to get the thing while it's tender, while it's young, before it grows up to be a strong branch or even a tree. So the next thing we ought to do once we recognize we planted some bad seeds and said some words we shouldn't have said, uh, some act- actions that we should not have done, is to recognize it and to repent of it and to acknowledge to whomever else that I was wrong in what I did. And then after we have done that, we certainly need to confess to God. And also we should rely upon another law of life that we have discussed and we have not discussed, we we will discuss, that is the law of mercy. So there are ways to diminish a bad crop, but in order to diminish that bad crop, there are some steps we have to take and go back to the time that we planted that that is bringing about a bad crop in our lives. There's so much to talk about concerning the law of sowing and reaping, too much, in fact, to even endeavor to cover in one session, but hopefully we have given our listeners an impression of how the law of sowing and reaping works and that everything that we do, everything that we say, activates one or more laws of life either in a positive or in a negative way, and that certainly includes the law of sowing and reaping. Be with you on the next time.
for listening to Mosley's Bench. We hope that you have enjoyed the show. For more information on former judge Fred M. Mosley, The Laws of Life, Laws of Life Court TV, or more information, log on to the website at lawsoflifecourttv.com. Once again, that is lawsoflifecourttv.com.